0: Hi everybody, Cheryl Akesson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Akesson podcast. Today, straight clear talk with everything you need to know now about what's really going on with monkeypox. I know you are tired of talk about pandemics, vaccines, viruses, CDC, and now here comes monkeypox. So, you really don't want to think about it especially if you're not at risk for getting it. But of course, there are mixed messages out there about who is at risk, how bad it could get, what's really going on, and who to believe. Well, today I have an important and authoritative voice on the topic. He's Perry Halketis of Rutgers. He's Dean of Rutgers School of Public Health. He's an infectious disease epidemiologist and public health psychologist who does research on infectious disease and the drivers Of infectious disease primarily in sexual and gender minority populations so he not only has a clear recitation of the facts at hand but some interesting reflections on the psychology at play here we go
1: one of the things that is most interesting to me and something that i've learned over the course of my career is that when we think about infectious diseases it's often it's often simplified to the pathogen that we're dealing with and in fact, we as human beings are the incubators that provide these pathogens the opportunities to replicate and to spread. And so understanding what drives people, which is often their psychological states, is a really critical and important aspect of trying to control infectious disease in our world.
0: Well, fresh on the heels of all this COVID mess, we're all hearing about monkeypox. And I know you've been looking in depth at that. Can you just give me an idea of what you foresee based on your analysis today, understanding it could change, but what you foresee in the near-term future with monkeypox?
1: Yeah. So we were perhaps a little slow in our response here in the United States when we first saw the cases emerging in Western Europe. We also know that monkeypox, the virus, has been endemic to the African continent. They've been outbreaks since 2017. So in our global society where we travel back and forth all over the world, it's not surprising to me we would find ourselves in a situation like this. We've been a little slow to respond. I would say at this point in time in in our country, if if the sun goes down at 9 p.m., we're probably at 7 p.m. right now. We have over 7,000 cases. Infections continue to spread. We still have an opportunity to squash this thing but the opportunity to squash this thing is dependent on one getting more vaccine doses that's the supply issue and number two as importantly getting those vaccines in the arms of people not just the worried well but those who are completely uh, at risk and perhaps even more vulnerable to monkeypox and by that i mean uh gay and bisexual men sexual minority men particularly sexual minority men who have less access less means who are often young men who are people of color. And I think that is going to be the trick in containing the disease within the population which exists right now, before it perhaps spreads more widely to the general population of the United States.
0: How could we be slow in responding? We've done nothing but the past couple of years, but think about quick response to you know infectious diseases. What on earth could be driving us not being as quick as possible to identify a risk?
1: Yeah, so Cheryl, it's a great question. I would say, first and foremost, what we know about the public health system in the United States is it's basically been gutted over the course of the last couple of decades. There's like very few resources there. And, you know, we are continuing to deal with COVID 19, right? And COVID's not gone, it continues to be around us. I expect there will be a surge in the fall. Um, probably because the BA five variant will continue to proliferate, but you know I think what happened was that in people were, were overtaxed. People were uh, at the at the federal government level, at the CDC level, at the public health levels. You know, dealing with with COVID nineteen, and yet this monkeypox thing. It's almost as if we weren't really paying close enough attention. And maybe it was a little wishful thinking on the part of us as human beings that would not somehow come here. But I think that no one who has any understanding of um, infectious disease and how people uh, operate and how people socialize would think that it wouldn't get here. We saw it, infect, you know, a a rave in Portugal and another event in Belgium. Obviously, it was going to come to the United States. And I think it's a combination of lack of resources, still dealing with COVID, and honestly, intellectual, emotional exhaustion um, with COVID-19. And I think that's what happened. And now we're sort of scrambling to get it under control. I think the other thing, Cheryl, that's probably at play here is this is not a lethal virus. Um, It's sure it is extremely uncomfortable. It is extremely painful. I think the the lack of, uh, you know, the low mortality rate probably makes it, In some people's minds, perhaps less of an issue than COVID-19 and two, despite our advances in our society, I think there's something to be said about the internalized and systemic homophobia that continues to exist you know, in our, in our, in our world and the notion that, well, you know, this is just gay and bisexual men, just gay and bisexual men of which I am one, by the way. Um, and, you know, it'll be fine. And we don't have to worry about it. And I think those forces while there's sometimes they're, they're conscious, they're often unconscious. And as a result, they manifest in the way we deal with particular situations, like we're dealing with MPX right now.
0: Well, we'll talk about that more in just a moment, but what do you think the impact of all of this controversy about CDC. I guess we touched upon it. We talked about weariness from COVID, but there's a lot of skepticism about guidance from public health officials and surveys show it's not just among a few people. In fact, for a story I'm doing on my TV show, I interviewed one of the biggest boosters of CDC um, historically, who still is, but he acknowledged that there's just a huge credibility problem now for that agency. Do you think now this is like the first kind of big thing they're having to deal with after COVID and people are skeptical? Yeah,
1: so so it's a great question. So many factors at play here. So first and foremost, we should be grateful we have a CDC right and because, frankly, they've done good work for decades, um, including, you know, at the at the height of the AIDS epidemic when the CDC was leading the way. But the fact of the matter is that over the course of the last couple of years, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, including probably internal dynamics at the CDC, but also political forces, the messaging around COVID-19 has been um, obscure at best. And so You know, as an individual who understands how human beings operate, I will tell you that human beings want concrete, simple explanations, which is walk three steps, touch your nose, put your mask on. Unfortunately, the messaging has not been that simple, and people have been left to their own devices and have developed mythologies around things. things. I think this has permeated into the MPX, into the pop situation, where, you know, on the one hand, the CDC, you know, rightfully saying this can affect everyone, and it can because it is an infection of intimacy and is not an infection of sexual identity. But at the same time, they saying, vaccines are available primarily for gay and bisexual men so how do you reconcile all of that is a problem and i think there has been a communications problem um throughout the COVID pandemic there's been a there is a communications problem now and i think that has led some individuals in our country to to question you know the effectiveness of the cdc i think they know what they're doing they absolutely know what they're doing maybe the way they are Uh, sharing the information and helping the American public understand is suboptimal.
0: Well, talk about mixed messaging. Um, Like you said, with the vaccine and who needs it and who can get this, is it accurate to say that currently the primary risk is among gay men who are intimate, but that the fear or the worry among others should be that it can spread? Much as, I guess, AIDS, even though that's sexually transmitted, not like monkeypox, you told me this is something that can be carried in saliva, but, um, you know, AIDS can be gotten by people other than those who are in the gay population. Is monkeypox similar to that, that right now that's not, those people are not at biggest risk if they are not in that gay population, but they should still be concerned?
1: Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So anybody can get monkeypox. Monkeypox is a virus that is shared by intimacy, Close physical contact with the lesion, saliva, mucus, and what have you. You do not have to have sexual intercourse. You could have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or what have you, and just have a simple kissing session and not have any lesions, but have have, have been infected and transmitted in that particular way. At this point in time, where the disease is right now, seems to be primarily nested within the gay and bisexual male community. You know the LGBTQ population. Um, and it is seems to have begun there, you know, in Portugal, and has spread there. It doesn't mean that it couldn't have. Sp- started somewhere else like at a church picnic or at a christening or something like that and it would have manifested very differently but in this point in time we're dealing with a population that socializes in you know in, in, in large um, in venues like the one in Portugal that socializes over the summer including during pride events and we just went through pride in this this last June and as a result of that it seems to be proliferating that way will it stay in that population if we do our job really well and get vaccines in the arms of people and try to contain it, yes, we can probably contain it. But if we do not, it is it is undoubtedly going to be an infection that remains endemic to the United States and will likely spread to anybody, regardless of their sexual identity.
0: Can it also be spread? I heard a recommendation for masking for people who might have it. Can it be spread by coughing and sneezes?
1: yeah it's mucus and saliva right are definitely sources of it and i I, you know i've said to folks all along during the covid19 pandemic which we're still in let's remind ourselves that even to this day as a person myself who is you know vaccinated and boosted and even in fact had covid in march of 2020 i still wear a mask when i go to spaces where i don't know people like the supermarket or the drugstore or uh, other locations like that so I would say to to most folks, yes, if you're concerned that somebody's gonna sneeze on you or what have you, then you should wear a mask. But truthfully, 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 monkeypox is not like COVID-19 and it requires much, 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 much more intimate connection uh, with individuals who are infected. So the person you pass on the street, unlikely to transmit monkeypox to you. However, it is always good policy to wear a mask in and in this day and time, because frankly, COVID-19 is still around.
0: Now, once someone has monkeypox, are they potentially inflicted, afflicted with something for life, bad, or do they recover and they're relatively or totally immune?
1: Yeah, so like with most diseases, with individuals are uh, exposed to a virus, they have an immune response and there's an immunity that stays with them. Chickenpox, which is, let's be clear, is not the same virus as monkeypox monkey pox is related to smallpox chicken pox if you can uh, you recall and use this as an example because I think it's a good one uh, which is you know the zoster virus you can get it as a child um, and you'll have immunity but we know now that immunity fades over time and so people like myself who are over 50 are being encouraged to get the shingles vaccine which is protection against the chickenpox virus now, there's reason to believe that somebody who has monkeypox will have an immune response and will have um, be able to control the virus. It doesn't mean that person should still not get a monkeypox vaccination if they're concerned. It's probably beneficial for that person to get a monkeypox vaccination. But certainly, there is something to be said about the development of immunities based on the exposure of disease, just like we have seen with COVID-19. We don't tell people with COVID-19 if you've had it, don't get don't get immunized. We tell them they should get immunized. Same thing with monkeypox.
0: Now, why do you think? it's spreading now in a different way than in the past because I was reading some old literature related to smallpox back from 2003. And I noticed that there was a mention of an outbreak. I think it was about a dozen cases of monkeypox that in retrospect, they had initially been afraid were smallpox cases. Mm -hmm. And they were relieved that it wasn't smallpox, but we had monkeypox back then that didn't, I guess, spread through our population.
1: Right, so we know monkeypox has been identified in the late 1950s first enters the human population in 1970 um in I believe in the Democratic uh state of the Congo um and you know has stayed sort of like just sort of like pulsating you know along the way like quietly like in the background right just waiting for the right opportunity it's like I, I, I've said Cheryl that, you know, it's not that these viruses are smart or that these pathogens are smart. We're not, we're not smart. People make dumb decisions, right? And so in this particular situation, what's happening is the following. You know, we've got it entered into this, into into our, into the population of primarily gay bisexual men. It seems to be manifesting in slightly different ways. There's not always as obvious big sores. There may be small sores in the genital area that seem to be happening with increased frequency in, the, in this particular outbreak. Those are not necessarily easily identified. Um, what happened before we elevated the consciousness of the country to monkeypox, people were perhaps getting rashes and thinking nothing of it because they weren't thinking about monkeypox. I'm sure medical providers weren't thinking about that. And so all of those circumstances come together. And when you think about this disease as one of intimacy, you know rubbing against somebody who has a sore who's not aware of a sore in a general area will transmit the virus if there's if the lesion breaks open and the person is not aware so it's the manifestation of the disease in this particular time you know our lack of response to it like you know in a quick way and people just not being aware i think now here we are august 9th i think it is we are raised consciousness People are getting vaccinated, they're certainly much more aware. People are making decisions perhaps not to socialize in ways that they have before. And the WHO has encouraged you know, sexual minority men to think about their sexual behavior you know, at this particular time. And I think those things come together and, and sort of you know, push back on this trend we've been seeing over the last couple of months with the spread of the disease, which has looked different from in the past, as you correctly state.
0: You said this is not a particularly lethal virus, but it's related to smallpox, which is a lethal virus. What is the relationship? Is it just something on the genealogy scale?
1: Yeah, it's a, the way the body reacts. It's they're both, they're, they're related viruses, they're both orthopox viruses. You know, this one, it doesn't mean that monkeypox can't kill you. It's, it's just that the, the mortality rate is really, really, really low. It's like one to 3%. Now, you know, I mean, I don't. there are no cases right now um in the united states uh, of deaths related to monkeypox it doesn't mean it might not happen and honestly cheryl with as with any infection those who have other underlying other conditions who have comorbid conditions who are dealing and this is you know particularly for when we're talking about gay men and gay and bi men you know people are living with hiv right people who are living with hiv who don't know that they're living with hiv who have an immune compromised system and get infected with monkeypox they're probably going to have Worse outcomes than people living with HIV who are on treatment and controlling their virus are probably going to have, you know, a slightly worse outcome than those who are not immunocompromised at all. So it, there is a there is there is a mortality rate, there is a fatality rate. It's just not as lethal as smallpox. Although, let's remember one thing: there seems to be evidence, Cheryl, that. Individuals who have vaccination for smallpox, like myself, since I was born between, before 1972, um, probably have some protection against monkeypox. You know, that was a study that came out recently. It looks like it has a period of time where it remains effective. I don't know if my smallpox vaccine from a child is still working, but there's probably some help there from the smallpox vaccination.
0: Much more after a short break. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to fight the heavy hand of censorship and support truly independent journalism. Go to SherylAckeson.com and click the store tab for a great way to do that. There are all kinds of cool products. A lot of them make great gifts that feature catchphrases like, I tested positive for critical thinking and do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the Cheryl Akison Ion Awards for off-narrative, accurate reporting. Go to SherylAckeson.com and click the store tab. Is the vaccine that's being used for monkeypox the same one that has been used for smallpox, or is it a different one?
1: We're using an, a vaccine called Gineos right now. Uh, it is a vaccine that's targeting monkeypox. Um, Uh, in particular, it is a two-dose vaccination. I know that there are some municipalities in this country who are giving one dose and saying that that's effective. The data doesn't necessarily support that. It may in time support that. It doesn't right now. It is different from the ACAM um, vaccination vaccine, which is used for, for, for smallpox. The difference between the two vaccines is that with smallpox vaccine, you know, they're both you know, they're both live virus, but the smallpox vaccine, that com vaccine, is able to replicate. This one is not able to replicate. So the mechanics are slightly different, um, but they are they are different vaccines. In some cases, because we have limited supplies of Jeneos, because we've stockpiled it and then we lost the stockpile and we now have to order it again, some individuals are um, perhaps... I don't know if this is happening with hundred percent certainty, but but in the absence of the Jynneos vaccine, the the ACAM vaccine could be used as a as a and it says a step towards protecting against monkeypox. Not as ideal as the monkeypox vaccine, but still probably a little helpful.
0: Can like smallpox? Can people potentially spread the virus after they're vaccinated? Because I remember reading with smallpox, the lesion that it, the blister or whatever that it makes. The vaccine makes has to be covered carefully, or for a short period of time, you could spread it. Is it the same way with monkeypox? Yeah.
1: Viremia is interesting, right, because, you know, when you're viremic, when you have high levels of the virus in your body, whether it be COVID-19 or HIV or monkeypox, is when you spread the disease, right, so there's a lesion, there's a there's a there's there's an accumulation of virus at that particular site. So people who have experienced monkeypox or are living with monkeypox probably should refrain from interacting with other human beings for several weeks' period of time, like a two to four-week period of time, until they completely clear, just like we say with COVID-19, there's a period of time where you have to stay away from other people so you don't spread the disease this is this is the truth the truth the truth here too now let's remember sure also that this vaccine that we're using to treat monkeypox is being used in a pre-exposure prophylaxis way which means that it's being given to prevent you from getting it but it's also being used in a post-exposure prophylaxis way which is like you might have been exposed and so you take the vaccine so that so it's being used either before or after potential exposure the vaccination probably helps you know even if somebody has been exposed to maintain the the viremia but still with any symptoms with any disease there's a period of time where you should not be interacting with other human beings from a purely human being public health perspective
0: but if it's being used as preventive you don't have monkeypox and you get the vaccine does it give you a potential you know contagibility or contagiousness issue for a couple of days
1: uh, when you have the vaccination, you, um, You know, there's a period of time where the vaccine, where the vaccine needs to function and you need to develop an immunity based on the vaccination. That takes, that response doesn't happen automatically. And in fact, with the Janaios vaccine, we know that there's a two-dose vaccination. So you probably have some immune reaction, just like with the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. You have some immune reaction, development of, of antibodies and development of immunity right away, but it is much, 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 much more powerful with the second dose.
0: Okay. And I'm sorry if I'm not being, if I sound like I'm not being clear or I'm not asking the question the right way. Mm. Does the vaccine, like the smallpox vaccine, give you a blister that is contagious that oh, has no, to be covered.
1: No, it does okay. not. It does not. Gotcha. Sorry. I'm sorry for misunderstanding your question, Cheryl. Yeah, it does not. You know, and it, is, it you know, again, it, that has to do with the mechanics of how the, the smallpox vaccine works. I mean, those of us who have our little marks on our arm know that we have live vaccine. we got a live smallpox, it replicates. That replication caused the blister to happen. This is not a replicating virus that is in, that is put in the body for monkeypox. As a result, we're not getting those blisters.
0: Gotcha. I, got, I got
1: my shot a few weeks ago and went in my arm, nothing.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> um, and then lastly, I just wondered if you wanna make a final comment on the psychology of this country as we deal with in the bigger picture, not just monkeypox, but more things to come. You know, on the one hand, I thought after COVID, maybe we'd be, I initially thought more careful, more responsive. Um, more prepared in a way. But I think there's talking about psychology an incredible desire of people to not want to be worried and to be comforted, even if they're making up their own storyline about why they shouldn't worry about something like monkeypox. But what are sort of some of the thoughts you're thinking as you observe what's going on?
1: And So you know, it's, it's a, a book I'm working on right now, which is about the lessons we should have learned from HIV that should have prepared us for COVID-19, and now I guess monkeypox and all the future pandemics that are sure to hit us. Look, we are in an era of pandemics. We are in a world where you know deforestation and globalization and travel everywhere is going to be mean that we're going to be exposed to things. It's also we're in a world where people are not vaccinated, so we see the the phenomenon with the polio that va- with polio in in New York State right now, which is you know highly concerning. Look, I think that human beings are not rational operators. I know that human beings are not rational operators and that people make decisions based on what feels good and what they think makes their lives better. They also make up mythologies about things, right? And so when I think about, you know, monkeypox uh, in particular, you know, I can hear in my mind people saying, well, that's, you know, the disease that's led by the kind of sex gay men have, which is not true and that mythology leads to misunderstanding but people want to feel that they're safe so they develop these mythological understandings they want to be able to have fun and you couple it with two years of like living through COVID, and people saying we're exhausted and I think the emotional toll the psychological burden of these viruses and of these pandemics is too much for people and so people are just doing what they need to do to in order to enjoy their lives and unfortunately we're not at that point you know and i think what we need to think about is how do we more effectively one message to people we talked about this earlier clearly so they, they they are not confused about the decisions that they're making right that's really important but two recognize that people are going people are going to make decisions based on feeling good and h- how do we effectively as public health leaders as medical providers you know as the CDC think about how do we embed into our messaging and acknowledgement that people make decisions based on their emotions and not always on logic and reason and use that to our advantage to be able to message much more effectively than we're doing right now um in preparation for the next one
0: Well may I add you made me think of something with your analysis which is I think people are also tired of being afraid or being t- felt like they're supposed to be afraid they don't want to live in fear so I guess the you know hard part is how to make people diligent and careful and responsive without making them feel fearful correct but will they be those other things if they're not afraid
1: so here's the, that's a really, really great question. And there's a substantial literature you know, in from the educational field about test anxiety and fear of a, fear of a test. And the, and, it, and the literature shows pretty clearly over the course of, the, of our educational history that a little test anxiety is probably helpful for performance, but a lot of it's debilitating. It's the same thing here. It's like you want to raise alarms for people, but not so much that they're like so debilitated that they, they don't act. Or they develop mythologies or they just ignore it but the little concern and that's a fine line we're walking here. like what is the right titration of fear or anxiety to be able to put in the population right so that they act appropriately without debilitating them and i think what we're seeing cheryl right now is a portion of the population that is exhausted it doesn't want to be afraid anymore it's turned it all off because of the fear over the last two years and it's unfortunate because It's not time to let our guard down, both because of monkeypox, MPX, but also because of COVID-19, and what is sure to happen in the fall with this BA-5 variant.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and that if so, you'll leave a great review, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, and now you can support independent journalism By visiting CherylAckison.com and clicking the store tab, there are some thought provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you, with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.